Okay, so for those of you that don't know, my name is Sam. I am the campus director here at Emmaus SNU. Hello, hello. How's everyone doing today? Good? Yeah, that was an amazing time of worship, wasn't it? Oh, man. I'm so glad that happened. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, in his presence, there is freedom. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. And yeah, as we gather tonight, um, I just pray and hope that uh, everyone will get something from this message. Um, and yeah, that, that you all be blessed through this. All right, so if you have your Bible, you can take out your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be looking uh, from verse 1 through 12. 1 through 12. It's a very famous passage. Most of us know it, I'm sure. Um, I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead and read it. Uh, The Beatitudes. Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful. For they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Okay. So, uh, Matthew 5, right? Uh, Sermon on the Mount. I'm sure we've all come across this. A ton of dense and um, nicely packaged uh, teachings from Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, right? And he starts off with this, what we, are, what we know as the Beatitudes, okay? And that's what we just read. Now, in all of these Beatitudes, it starts with the word blessed. Blessed. We throw that word around a lot, don't we? Blessed. Bless this, bless that. It's one of those words for me that loses meaning. You know when you say a word over and over again, it, it just, it, it sounds nonsensical in your head and, and it, it starts to lose its meaning, right? You ever try that? If you just pick any word and say it a hundred times, even ten times, right? I don't know. Let's, let's try, for example, elephant. If I say elephant like ten times, right? Elephant, 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 elephant. It just sounds weird. And you start thinking how weird of that, that phonetically it sounds, right? Do you guys ever do that? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, it's not just me. But I guess no one sits there just repeating one word ten times, right? All right, well... Um, yeah, we do that. We throw words around a lot, and I think this often happens within the church. Uh, we're so good at coining Christianese terms. It's almost like a foreign language to outsiders. Like in Emmaus, for example, we have the SGs, which we used to call Familia, by the way. Uh, hey, let's go to the CD at the campus day before SG. Oh, I got to meet with the crew and the CD after LG. Uh, can't we meet before 615 prayer? Well, now it's 715. Uh <laughs> Right? New Philly, where we go, a lot of us go to church. We're really good at this. I remember when I first came, 
uh, when I first came five years ago, people were just throwing hashtag this everywhere, all over the place. Hashtag father of the fatherless. Hashtag anointing flows from the top down. Hashtag sonship. Hashtag blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, oh, what is all this? Just these terms that people throw around. And, and sometimes I wondered if people knew. I wondered if people knew what they were saying. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have these terms. I'm not saying that um, we should just throw it all out. Any organization, churches included, uh, have a strong need, have a need for strong cultures. And that includes lingo. That includes context-specific vocabulary. Right? If you, uh, what do you guys study here? A lot of engineers here. Any engineers? Raise your hand. Just one? Two? I know there's at least two. One, two, three. Three, right? (laughs) She refuses to identify. (laughs) It's okay. Yeah, you use terminology that's akin to your field, right? We do that. It's normal. It's a part of human life. Um, And the church is no different in that regard. Now, blessing, for me, I feel like is a church or is a word that the the church as a whole has kind of thrown around a lot. And for me, I've, I've grown up learning and seeing this word without really understanding what it meant, Right? We say, like, we'll talk to each other after a retreat, a church retreat. Like, oh, how, how was the retreat? Oh, it was good. I was blessed. <laughs> right? You guys hear that? What does that mean? What does that mean? For me, blessing has always been that strange word. It's like, what do we mean by it? Bless you. Did you sneeze? Right? <laughs> um, yeah, hashtag blessed. We've all seen this before, right? Hashtag blessed. And then, and then they show what they've got. Uh, it's usually like your friends, hashtag blessed friends, hashtag friends. A new car, hashtag blessed. Birthday gift, hashtag blessed. New girlfriend, hashtag blessed. It's usually connected to some sort of material blessing. That's how we identify blessing, blessedness. But let's take a look at what blessing is. What is it to be blessed? I was, I was thinking about this, especially as I was preparing for this. Um, But anyway, uh, actually in the Old Testament, it is often used to denote material blessing. So it's not a completely wrong usage to say hashtag blessed. It indicated uh, a favored position with God, which is often accompanied by material blessing. Uh, It's often used with a covenant. God says to Abram, Abram at that time, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse whoever curses you. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's one example. Jacob receives Esau's blessing from Isaac through trickery, but he does. Later, Jacob asks God to bless him when he wrestles with him. Bless me, he says. A rough survey of Deuteronomy, as I was researching for this sermon, uh, just doing a, a, a search through the Bible. These are just some of the phrases that pop up over and over and over again. Bless you in your work. Bless you in all that you do. Richly bless you. Bless you in your harvest. Bless the land. Bless, bless, bless. Lots of blessing. I was looking at the ESV study Bible. Uh, and in it, it says that blessing is to be in a state of well-being in relationship to God. Another source, I was looking on uh, desiring.org, desiring.org, desiringgod.org, desiring.god.org, and there's this um, article that was kind of talking about it, and 
that was referencing another study Bible, the keyword study Bible. And it says that makarioi, which is the, the Greek word that is used to denote blessing, bless means to be fully satisfied, fully satisfied. So that all boils down to, we can understand blessing to mean to be in good standing with God or favored by God as evidenced by the things we receive. Okay, that's kind of a general understanding of the word blessing. Now, this isn't a bad definition. Uh, This was the traditional Jewish understanding of blessing. When we look in the Old Testament, a lot of the times when people were blessed, it was evidenced by their receiving from God. So that's that's kind of the the old view. But let's let's look at the Beatitudes. We're just going to switch gears here a bit. Here we are in the Beatitudes, uh, way, way later down the line. Jesus comes and he gives this sermon. It's the first major sermon that is recorded that Jesus gives, and he begins by speaking of blessings. Out of all the things he could have spoken about, it's very interesting. He starts his public ministry in, in this big discourse, and he starts by speaking about blessings. Now, I remember when I was in second or third grade, this was the very first Bible verse I had to memorize because I went to a, a Christian school from kindergarten to third grade. Uh, let's see how I do. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I know I missed one, didn't I? <laughs> am, I am I good? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for theirs is... No, no, no. For, for they will be filled. Right? Okay. And, and there's like four or five more. Anyway, um, I forgot. <laughs> so... I remember when I memorized it, I remember them in fragments, and I don't necessarily know them in order. And that's largely because of how disjointed these Beatitudes seemed to me. They didn't seem to have a real logical flow to them. And you know, when there's a logical flow to things, you kind of, it it helps you to, to memorize things, if there's like a mnemonic to it. But it didn't come to me that way. These Beatitudes, they almost seemed like Proverbs, like they were, they just stood alone on their own, right? Each one of them. Like you could, you could hash out a sermon from each one of them, independent of the others. And you could just soak on one of them for days, months, years, your life. You could just soak on just one of them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So um, some, say, some say it's a sort of summary or a, or a table of contents to the, to the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. And that may be true. I don't know. Um, this is where... Because I'm not a theologian, I don't really know. <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe it is. But for me, it's, it's always been hard to kind of see it that way. But today, uh, I'd like to focus on a few things, uh, focusing uh, in on this verse, as I did uh, kind of look into this a bit. So let's break this thing down, all right? Any English majors in here? Minors? Yay! I was an English minor. I like breaking down texts and analyzing them. Um, it's fun. Isn't it fun? No? You're too sick of your... It's too soon, right? Too soon for you? <laughs> it's like years passed for me, so I'm like reminiscing about those times when I, when I got to study as my main thing. Anyway. <clears throat> so um, we're going to focus on verses 3 to 10. If you look, there are some recognizable patterns. The most obvious that sticks out is the blessed are... Blah, 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 blah. For... Blah, 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 blah. That's the most obvious. It just repeats itself over and over again. Blessed are the blank, for blank. Blessed are the blank, for blank, okay? And there seems to be a general contrast 
between the blessed portion and the four portion. Okay, so if you kind of just look at them, blessed are the poor in spirit, kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit, kingdom of heaven, huh? Okay, those who mourn, comforted. Those are opposites. Meek will inherit the earth. That's not something that I ever thought was true. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. Okay, merciful will be shown mercy. Pure in heart will see God. Peacemakers will be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so there's a lot of like contrast here between the things that are put next to each other. Now, if you look at the structure of this passage, verses 11 and 12, uh, verses 11 and 12, I take as an extension of verse 10, like an example, right? Because it says, blessed are those who persecute you uh, because of righteousness. And then it goes on, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So it's kind of just adding a little detail to verse 10. All right, so we're going to kind of separate 11 and 12 from the rest and just focus in on verses 3 to 10. That's kind of our main text for today. All right, so we're looking at this text, looking at those uh, few verses. Something I noticed is that there is a holistic pattern, okay? Almost like an intro and conclusion. Do you guys see it? Verse 3 and verse 10 both end with, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, anytime you see that, that, that's pretty significant, I'd say. So I take uh, kingdom of heaven to be a key to understanding this passage. So keep that in mind. Keep that in mind as we continue. All right, but for now, we'll, we'll come back to this general uh, idea. But for now, let's just delve a little bit deeper into each one. Okay, so you guys ready to study the word a bit? Yeah, yeah let's do this. Let's eat. Okay. Now, of course, you could delve into each of these and meditate on them individually and, again, for a, a, a prolonged period of time, and that's great. You could soak on these. But for now, I just want to give you a starting point and kind of gloss over some of them. Not all of them. I'll, we'll go over like half of them. So let's look at verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I've always found this verse... A bit confusing, but that was mostly because I never really chewed on it until this week when I felt like I should preach on it. <laughs> but I do find it noteworthy that this is the starting point of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I never really understood what that meant, poor in spirit. I mean, it could mean like poor in emotions, having a low spirit, just being like spiritually downtrodden. But I think we could understand it to be all-encompassing in that it, it's in, inclusive of spiritual poverty. All of the above. Poor in spirit. The first recorded words of Jesus' public ministry in Matthew and Mark are, Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Repent. Now, our ultimate blessing, which is our relationship with God, our restored relationship with God, comes through repentance. I mean, it's by grace through faith, but our part in it is repentance. Who repents? What kind of person repents? Someone who thinks they have it made? Someone whose life is going great? No. Or someone who sees their own spiritual poverty. Such is the person who is at a place ready to repent. 
and therefore enter the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit because those are the ones or who are more likely to come to repentance and therefore inherit the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, we can say blessed are the poor in spirit, all-inclusive, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, again, you can go on like a whole sermon. I, I don't have time for a whole sermon series on this for each one of these. So we're, we're condensing it a bit. We're going to move on to verse 4, okay? Just kind of helping you guide through these. And then we're going somewhere, okay? Stay with me. Stay with me. Everybody give someone a high five. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You know, pre- preachers always do that kind of stuff. Everyone turn to your neighbor and, and tell them blessed, you know? <laughs> uh, I like, I always found that funny, but here I am now, so I get to, I get to do that to you guys. All right, verse four. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, in a worldly sense, and to a degree, uh, even in the Old Testament Jewish sense, mourning isn't a sign of being blessed. In fact, it can be seen as the opposite. It's a curse or the result of misfortune. And when you experience a loss, we're, we aren't likely to say, oh man, that person, he's blessed. He just lost his best friend. You know, we don't, that's not something we would say, right? It's just, it just doesn't make sense. But here, that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Such a person who is mourning is blessed. Huh? Jesus? What? See, when we, when we mourn and seek God, God is faithful because he's our great comforter. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 to 5, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. We know we live in a fallen world. I don't have to argue that. We can just look around. That's reality. We know we feel pain and suffering. There's a longing for restoration. Sometimes we just mourn. Sometimes we lose people. We lose things. We lose security. And we, are, we find ourselves in a place of mourning. It would be strange if you went your whole life without ever having to mourn. That would be really strange. But the greater reality, despite the things that we see and face in the natural world, is that we have God. The greater reality is that we have God and that he will make all things right. We know this. We believe this. So as an example, have you guys ever lost your keys? Anybody? Show of hands. Yes. Or your phone. You do this. Start like flipping tables and couches, right? Um, I think when we do that, when we search frantically, right, it, it's like a, it gives you a sense, just a, a, a tiny, the tiniest, tiniest of sense of what it means to mourn. I mean, you can't really compare. It's losing your keys compared to mourning. But I'm just, I'm half joking, but, uh, you know, that peace and comfort you experience is unrivaled after you find it, right? After you find your keys, you're like, oh, that sense of relief. But it gives you a small sense, right, of what comfort is. So God is our comfort. When we mourn and 
to receive that comfort is a blessing. It's a blessing. Again, that, that beatitude, it says, blessed are those who mourn. Why? Because they will be comforted. By who? By God. All right, let's look at verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. You guys know what meek is? What's a, what's a synonym for meek? Humble, yeah, that's, that's usually what people go to and they explain meek by saying, oh, it's just a synonym for humble. It's actually a much weaker word than that. All right, dictionary.com's definition, here it is. Humbly patient or docile, ooh, as under provocation from others. Overly submissive or compliant, spiritless, tame. Essentially, a pushover. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice way of saying a pushover. Blessed are the pushovers, the wimps, for they will inherit the earth. What? That doesn't make sense. That's not the way the world works. How does the world work? It's the go-getters, the competitive, the strategic, the wise that have things, that have land, that have possessions. Isn't that how the world works? Or at least that's what we're taught and that's what we see. But do you know what a meek person understands? They, they understand that justice belongs to God. They understand that it is God who blesses, that God is the one who will have the final word. That's what a meek person understands. And in that meekness, God is faithful and they will inherit the earth. All right, we're going to look at one more before we move on. Verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You know, as I was preparing for this week, this week's message, um, for a while I just wasn't getting anything. I didn't feel like God wanted me to preach anything in particular. There was nothing that really popped out. There was nothing on my heart that really I felt like I needed to share. But, but then... Um, this week, I was, I was doing my taxes because it's tax season. And you guys know about my previous workplace. I've told this story before. Uh, basically, I didn't get paid for several months, and, and all this stuff came up and how they were managing, and things were really messed up. Um, but anyway, I was moved past all of that. Uh, I mean, the paperwork is still in the air. I don't even know what's going on with that. I don't know if I'll ever see my money. I don't know what's going to happen. Anyway, with that even, I, I'm hungering and thirsting for righteousness still, Okay. But, but that aside, I was, I was filing my taxes for my current job, which I started last year. And um, as I was, I was looking at my, my, my numbers and, you know, my records, I realized, oh, oh wait, wait, wait. They, they didn't put the same numbers that they told me that um, I'm supposed to be getting paid. It's, like, it's just a little off. And I'm like, okay, uh, that's a little bit of a headache. I now have to contact them and ask them to fix it or explain to me why the numbers are different. And... In that moment, I was just feeling that weight of, oh, why couldn't they just get it right? I'm like hungering for just a little bit of righteousness, thirsting for just a little bit of accuracy, even though it's with numbers. And imagine the person who goes through something like human trafficking or just some sort of injustice. And, you know, the thing I'm facing, it's like I still have my freedom. I'm, I'm not, like, suffering because of this. Yeah, it's a little bit inconvenient, 
But in that moment, I was kind of just wondering, like, ah, is there anyone righteous that can just fill out a tax form simply, please? You know? And in that moment, I was just feeling that weight. It's like, ah! And, and it's just a small measure of what a lot of people feel on this earth. That hunger and thirst for righteousness, for justice. So why do we hunger? Like, just, just in a natural sense. It causes us to eat. Right? Biologically, when we're hungry, we eat. When we're full, we don't think about food. In fact, when we're stuffed, another bite of samgyeopsal might want to make you gag. Isn't that right? Well, when we are satiated with justice and righteousness, we don't feel that we have a need for it. But in the absence of it, oh, we are hungry. We are hungry for it. And the more injustice and unrighteousness you deal with, the hungry, hungrier you are for it. And just as the mourner is blessed by the comforter in their mourning, so is the one who is hungry for righteousness as they hunger for it. Just an example. Being in Korea, I have a hunger and thirst for good pho. Wollam <laughs> guksu. Uh, I come from Delaware, very close to Philly, and Philly has some amazing pho places. Uh, now, Korea does great things culinarily. I'll admit that. But the pho here is just subpar. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So whenever I go home, I, I make sure to, to get two things. When I get off the plane, it's chipotle and pho, among other things. But being in Korea, I have this longing, this this hunger for just a good bowl of pho or a good cheesesteak or a sandwich, a good sandwich that doesn't cost you half your hourly wage. <laughs> because, you know, if, if you want a good sandwich here, you have to pay like 20 to $30. It's crazy. I'm talking about like a nice Reuben, you know? Oh, a Reuben. But, oh, when you get your fill, you know what blessedness is. Amen? Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> When all you want is a burger and you get it, you sink your teeth into it and the bun just hugs your teeth and the juices from the meat just flows. Oh, that cheesy goodness. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm making you hungry now. I'm sorry. (laughs) Take heart. Uh, We will eat after this and, and you will feel a small measure of being filled and what it means to have a hunger and thirst and for it to be met. All right, I'll stop there uh, in terms of going into the, the Beatitudes themselves. Um, you can delve into them in your own time. Now, I, I don't have the, the luxury to, to go into this, this whole sermon series. So uh, again, this is just super condensed. I went over four of them with you, but I think it's good for our purposes. So I've given a short run through of about half of them, and now I think you can see a pattern that I want to bring up. We've already, just, just to recap, we've already pointed out uh, a few of the patterns. Blessed are the blank for blank pattern. Okay, we've already pointed that out. We've also noticed the sandwich pattern uh, with the, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven in verse 3 and verse 10. Okay. Now I want to point out the common thread in all these beatitudes. Remember, I pointed out that kingdom of heaven is a key. Remember that? The kingdom of heaven is, in our natural experience, largely unseen. It's unseen. Matthew 6, verse 6, 
mentions this about God. It says, And pray to your Father who is unseen. Matthew 6, a few verses later, 18. Uh, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Unseen. He's the unseen God. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So, the first part, the blessed are, blank, blessed are, blah, 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 is what we see in the natural. Okay, if we just kind of gloss over them really quickly. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Yeah, we can see that. Those who mourn, we can see that. Meek, we can see that. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, we can see that. And so on. But the second part, for blah, 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 is unseen. Okay, let's go back over it. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You can see that. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's not something you can see in the natural. Blessed are those who mourn. We can see someone who's mourning, for they will be comforted. That's not something you see right away. Blessed are the meek. You can see a meek person. For they will inherit the earth. Oh, I'd like to see that, says the world. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Oh, I see people who are hungry for it. For they will be filled. What? In this, in this world? I don't know. Well, Jesus says in John chapter 18, 36, My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. We've all, we've all come across this before, I'm sure. I'll read it again. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Okay, we're going somewhere. Stay with me. So how do we access these blessings? How do we access these blessings that are unseen? By faith. By faith. Do you believe that though you're poor in spirit, you are blessed? Do you believe that? Do you believe that comfort will come in your mourning? Do you believe that you will inherit the earth and that God is faithful with his promises? That your hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled? That you're not thirsting and hungering for it in vain, that you'll be shown mercy, that you'll be called sons and daughters of God. Faith, then, is the meeting point of the poor in spirit and the kingdom of God. So break it down. The first part, blessed are the blank, and the second part, for blank. Faith is the meeting part, the meeting point between those two um, Contrasting things. Okay? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and you receive that in faith. Okay? Now, it's in faith that we, that we grasp it. Okay? It's, in fa- it's by faith that we grasp it, but it all points to one thing. And that is God. Okay, Each of these Beatitudes, they point to God. A characteristic of him. Okay, I'm going to uh, read over the Beatitudes again with, with a little bit of interjection 
from the, the Living Sam translation. Here we go. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Seeing with clarity one's own state. That's what that is. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And what do we see about God there? God saves. God saves. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted, because God is the comforter. God comforts. God comforts. Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Why? Because God will deliver his people. God is faithful. Not by our, our works. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Because God will bring justice. Because God is just. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God is merciful, despite our sins. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Because God is holy. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Because we know God is a God of peace. His name is Prince of Peace. Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Possessing that truth empowers you to see how worthy God is, to undergo persecution. Now, um, all of this, it points to another thing as well. There's another pattern in here I want to, I kind of want uh, to point out. Now, I, remember when I shared that, when I read this before, when I memorized it as a kid, I never really understood what this, uh, how to understand or, or take this passage. I just took them each as, as separate little entities. I took them each as their own little proverb. But actually, there's, there's more to it than this. See, the Beatitudes actually point to the gospel. I didn't know this until this week in my, in my 32nd year of life. <laughs> Decades after having memorized it as a kid. I've always just kind of recited them in my head, but, but here it is. The gospel is in here. Uh, now, I think I'd be reading too much into it if I said that there is a, a certain chronology to this. But there seems to be at least one thing we can point to. Now, if you look at the first and last, I find it interesting that they're written in the way they are, not only in what they say, but the order. Okay? So, the first, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then eventually leads to, verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Religion says sacrifice and perform so that you can be saved. So that you can inherit the kingdom of heaven. Religion says be persecuted. Sacrifice first. Make your prayers. Do the right things and then enter the kingdom of heaven. But the gospel says you are poor in spirit. You are poor in spirit. There's nothing about you that could get you into heaven. Nothing that you can do that could put you in right standing with God. But through repentance, 
you can receive the salvation of God and the kingdom of heaven. Okay? So the gospel flips it. Religion says, sacrifice for your salvation. The gospel says, you are saved. Now you are free to sacrifice in response. You are empowered to suffer for the kingdom because you already have and understand the worth of God. So all this points to God, the king of the kingdom, because you can't have a kingdom without a king, right? It's the king, God, who holds all these together. Without God, there is no mercy, no comfort, no inheritance, no peace, no righteousness. Because if you look at these beatitudes and you take God out of the picture, it's kind of sad. Because without God, mourning will crush you without God to comfort you. Without God, meekness is just fear and people-pleasing. Without God, righteousness is religion. Without God, mercy is weakness. Without God, purity is religion. Without God, peacemaking is just strategy and politics. Without God, persecution is loss. You gain nothing from it. And none of this makes sense without the finished work of Jesus. In him, though we are poor in spirit, we have the kingdom of heaven. In him, we are comforted and we have the hope to look forward to the day when every tear will be wiped away. In him, we have hope for restoration of all things. In him, we have the hope of righteousness and justice, mercy Hope to see God, everlasting peace, the kingdom of heaven. The Jewish understanding was that blessing was more worldly. The New Testament concept of blessing extends to the spiritual, and it doesn't discount the worldly blessings. But our anchor is in Christ, and so when the material blessings fail us, we don't lose sight of the giver of those blessings to have a restored relationship with God through Jesus is indeed to be greatly blessed and to have the greatest blessing. It is our source of strength that keeps us from derailing. When troubles come, we are indeed blessed. So when the kingdom comes in its fullness, our blessings, they won't matter anymore. The, the material things that we get as a sign of God's favor on us. But the blesser is unchanging. We will be with him forever. Uh, <clears throat> so I, I want to give us a time to respond. So uh, if, if Brian could just come up. If we could all just close our eyes and, and just um, yeah, let's let's just search our hearts, search our hearts.
You know, just as we sang, I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. Later on in the Beatitudes, Jesus ends, sorry, in in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus ends by exhorting people to build their houses on the rock, not on the sand. And you know, the the Beatitudes, they, they point us to these principles of the kingdom. It's the beginning of, of Jesus talking about his ways, the ways of his kingdom. You know, if I could boil down everything I said, it would just be kind of, we see with eyes of faith that we have those things, that we have the kingdom of heaven. And we access those blessings. Blessings. Some of us may not feel very blessed. Some of us are questioning, God, what is going on? Where are my blessings? Tonight, I just want to challenge you and just offer this opportunity to take a step of faith and declare over yourself that you are richly blessed beyond what you can see or imagine. That in Christ, we have access to every blessing. It says in Ephesians 1, Praise be to the God, our Father, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. He doesn't hold anything back. Do you believe that? Some of us need to shift our perspective and be reminded. So let's just take a few minutes to just pray.